Welcome to WP Tonic, episode 128. Today, we're discussing black hat SEO. What SEO techniques should you avoid? Because they're going to do great harm to your SEO rankings. And my panel today, we have my beloved co-host, Jonathan Denwood, Jackie D'Elia, and Sally Getch. Panel, would you like to introduce yourselves? We'll uh, go alphabetical, so we'll start with... Jackie. Hi, I'm Jackie D'Elia, Jackie D'Elia Design. I, I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. I help clients with web strategy, design, and development. Very good. Jonathan. Yes, I'm the founder of WP Tonic. We support designers, developers, consultants. If you've got legacy clients or you're overwhelmed with support clients and you need to get that major project done, contact us and we'll be your regular reliable outsource resource. Sally. Hi, I'm Sally Getch. I'm the organizer of the East Bay WordPress Meetup in Oakland, California, and I run WP Fangirl, a WordPress consulting business very good and i'm john Locke. i run a small wordpress consultancy here in sacramento california called lockdown design and i specialize in local seo and woocommerce integrations uh so before we get into the news stories i want to invite everyone if you get if you're getting value from this show invite you to subscribe uh, on iTunes. Please leave us a review. It helps us out a lot. Uh, like I said, if you're getting value, help other people find it. Just leave a review on iTunes. Very awesome. Um, so we've got three WordPress news stories today. The first one up is uh, Jason Tadlock released a, the Butterbean Post Meta Box Framework. And this appears to uh, help organize meta information when you're building a plugin. Uh, what did you think about this, Jackie? I'm sorry. I did not get to read that one. <gasps> okay. Shokora, she gives a black box. Uh, <laughs> yes, just uh, put a black check right up in the corner. Oh, I don't know. You can live with yourself, okay. Jackie. Jackie, it's okay because I just read this article 10 minutes ago. Um, <laughs> I actually Sally, I had some what? technical issues this morning that prevented my normal routine. I have technical issues every time, every part of the day, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> you work with computers, you have technical issues. Um, I looked at it, it looks intriguing. I mean, I'm, I'm somebody who uses Advanced Custom Fields Pro a lot. Um, and, uh, you know, and right now I don't build plugins. Uh, and this is partly meant to be something that's sort of lightweight that you can bundle into a, a plugin that you're building out. Um, and, uh, but it looks, I, you know, I like the way it looks, the, you know, the way it structures those uh, meta boxes so that they're, you know, you switch between the, the tabs and you've got something that's relatively compact and not tons of, uh, tons of fields to, to scroll through. I think it's definitely something to, to keep an eye on for uh, developers. Yeah. And Jonathan? Well, I thought, I thought the reason why I introduced the story um, is that we looked at another, um, it was a plug-in solution last week, that had some weaknesses around documentation <laughs> and credibility issues, really. Um, I don't, this is, comes from a source that I really admire, Justin, um, with his framework. I think if you're looking at a framework, it's either Genesis or you would look at Justin's framework. Um, I actively looked at it to adopt it, and it was highly recommended to me by other developers um, that I respect. Um, I didn't decide to go down it, but if I was looking at the, adopting a framework, it would be one of the top frameworks I'd look at. And Justin's got a very long track record. I've been part of the WordPress community and providing excellent support and code. Um, it, if you read the article, it, yes, it, it's to be put in plugins, but you could also add it to your ta templates as well. Um, it doesn't try, you know, you do have to know a bit about PHP, and but it's not that really that hard to include it. I just think... 
it's a tool and it comes from a very credible source so it's it's probably worthwhile having a look at it and seeing if it might help you if you're in the development what do you think john uh well definitely uh you know and i'm not like a plugin developer i'm more of a theme developer but what i saw in this article is a lot of people are using uh you know older tools like wp alchemy to organize their meta boxes when they're building plugins and Jason Tadlock built this because he didn't see anything that he really liked out there. And this is just a better, uh, you know, user interface. It's got a tab user interface to accommodate uh, different fields for organizing information when you're building a plugin. Um, and it's, you know, modeled in part uh, on the WordPress customizer. So that is you know, similar. Uh, one thing that he points out in this is if you're not a JavaScript developer, don't worry, because if you're not building advanced custom controls that require custom JavaScript, you'll never have to touch it. You can register everything in PHP. That's a direct quote from Justin in the article. So uh, I think it will be a great tool for plugin developers. Uh, that is Butterbean Post Metabox Framework 1.0. Um, so our second news story is one that I found very intriguing, and this was on the Kinsta.com blog, and it was called, uh, it's WordPress for Enterprise, Why Your Enterprise Business Should Use WordPress by Thomas Ewer. Ewer? Ewer? Anyway, uh, really long article, really insightful, um, a lot of like the pros and cons of uh, WordPress in the enterprise. Did uh, Jackie, what were your thoughts on this? I actually um, did get to look at this one, and a couple of points that they made that were really relevant was uh, first of all, getting past the WordPress is a blog um, perception for enterprise clients. I think is probably the biggest challenge. And when you install WordPress today, the way that you get it, it comes out as a blog. Um, so it's kind of geared and designed for, for bloggers who are just want to throw up a blog. Um, so I think that getting past that perception, and they also listed some, some of the uh, perceived cons and uh, pros in there. One of them, you know, that WordPress is about the open source, which I uh, thought that was very interesting that, you know, in order for something to be an enterprise, it has to be you know, non-open source, and it has to be something that you're going to pay for licenses for. And so far, um, there's lots of larger uh, enterprise organizations that are using WordPress successfully um, and are embracing the open source. And many of the agencies in our community are volunteering time for developers to work on it. So I thought those were some really positive points on that. No, definitely. Uh, Jonathan, what were your thoughts on this article? Yeah, I thought it was very extensive. I didn't think it threw up through any kind of original um, um, light upon the subject to some extent, but it was a, a very effective summary of a lot of things I've read over the past 18 months. Um, so I thought I would include it. But, um, it's linked to something I listened to um, on the Mac Report podcast from um, Rachel Baker. Um, she had an extensive interview and it was around the Restless API, but it's also about her main business, which I, unfortunately I forgot the website that um, she owns, but it's a, it's a review website that gets very heavy traffic. It reviews almost every type of electronic product and she was saying that the normal database um the normal sql database just could not cope with her requirements and she had to look at another um, schema system and design it from the ground up because she i think in the interview she remarks that even to download it onto her desktop um and run it locally it like took like five hours to download or something on 
you know, it was just totally... So, what I'm saying by this is the, the kind of statements in the piece I agree with, but I also feel there there are some problems, um, more serious technical problems, and that's really linked to some of the other conversations we've had about how the whole backward compatibility all the other things that we discussed over the months john no definitely um sally what what were your thoughts on uh, one of the first things that struck me was that it includes wordpress is constantly updated as a pro uh, I, i'm not sure that's actually true uh I mean, you know, for the enterprise or, or anybody else, the the frequency of updates is is uh, is more of a burden, but it's it's a it's a good reason to uh, send people to WP Tonic. Um, the other thing that struck me is, you know, we are having a talk about WordPress and the enterprise at WordCamp Sacramento uh, by my friend uh, Anka Moshoyu, uh, and uh, you know, I do think all of these things are true, but. Uh, you know, as Jonathan was saying that, you know, the database issues and, uh, you know, speed and, and responsiveness, you know, that, that stuff does need tinkering. I mean, you know, the, the large scale, uh, WordPress uh, instances that are mentioned, things like Inksub and, and WordPress.com, they don't just use what you get out of the box in terms of databases. You've got the, you know, hyper DB to, to split my sequel up and, you, and and other kinds of things and so yeah there are going to be times when you can use it for your enterprise but you can't just like install wordpress you need somebody who understands how to make it run in that kind of an environment with with you know that uh, you, you know the amount of content the number of users the amount of traffic that the, the different kinds of things that that may cause some issues with it I think they're great points, Sally, because I, I think it's it's a similar thing to like yeah you can you can throw up a, a so-called marketing website, but are you going to get any traffic or are you, you going to get anything from it? And that's linked to our last round table. You're probably not. Um, you got to have a plan, and it's going to be really hard work. And it, uh, I think it's similar on the technical side. You know this idea that you can just if you've got a really high volume, high demand website that you're just going to throw some theme from Theme Forest and you're just going to vanilla WordPress and you're going to get a good experience is a fallacy. You know, like what you were saying, Sandy, the truth is this is going to take, um, you're going to have to hire some really bright people and it's going to take a lot of work and planning, isn't it? Doing anything worthwhile takes work and, and planning. And, uh, you know, there's a site I'm working on for a company that's it's not a huge company, but it's a pretty extensive website. And it's, take, it's certainly taking a lot of work to get everything together. And, and the you know, the database itself has, has not proven to be an, an issue for it. But, uh, you know, if, if you're building something that needs to support your business, you need to invest in it the same way you would anything else that, that has to function for your business. No, definitely. My takeaways from this article uh, about using WordPress in the enterprise, a lot of the same things that we inside WordPress know that maybe enterprise clients, enterprise companies don't know. Um, you know, um, WordPress is not just for blogs. It hasn't been for a long time. It's really advanced. It's on par with Drupal or Joomla or any other CMS and I would argue, like, in a lot of ways, it's actually better in some ways because it uh, there's a lot more advancement that happens more quickly. Drupal seems to really develop at a slower pace, and the releases are uh, almost glacial in, in how long they take to release. But I want to harken back to... You know, uh, episode 120, when we had Matt Medeiros on, we asked him the same question. He said that a lot of enterprise companies like that slow pace because it's slow, it's safe. But Drupal is open source. WordPress is open source. Joomla is open source. Um, there's, I, I think a lot of companies see that open source is a good alternative. 
instead of buying like a proprietary CMS, it's going to cost millions of dollars. Um, and then you're going to be tied to one vendor, one agency doing that work. Because we've seen, I've seen that in my Twitter timeline. Um, some people out there are pitching, like, say, use our custom CMS. Well, now you can't really take that to anyone else. If you're using, uh, you know, a solution, whether it's uh, Drupal or WordPress or something else, there's other people out there that can that can solve it. The big knock that's been against WordPress is, you know, things like it's just for blogs. It's um, it's not mobile friendly, which is not a lie, uh, but that is a lie. Um, like it's been mobile friendly for forever. Um, many things like it's not secure. Uh, it's they have twenty five people security experts like on the WordPress you know team. Um, there's outside advisors that are always uh, you know helping make it more secure. That's it. All these like little minor releases are for. Uh, it's the one thing that happens though is is a lot of people who are in the government the education or the enterprise space seem to favor Drupal and they're just Drupal enthusiasts and that could be a lot of why that gets used for enterprise now what Jonathan was talking about and what we were talking about with the rest of API integrating that in the core has been a little bit slower than it probably should have been but you're trying to maintain backwards compatibility while introducing a whole new feature and introduce like all these different things and inside the core team there's you know how do we how do we resolve this do we go to you know this or do we go to that and and that's kind of what's happening right now but i would say that wordpress is just as good a solution as, as any other cms out there um if not better i mean you got 26 percent of the web using it right now you got a team that's like releasing releases um you know three four times a year uh, that thousands of people working on it. I think that's you know, a lot of the arguments against it are based on things that were true maybe seven, eight years ago and not today. Uh, third uh, story we have is from Chris Lemma's blog about page builders. And it's why customers want WordPress page builders. I thought there was a little bit of controversy here. Uh, what did you think about this article, Jackie? The main point of the article for me was, you know, just understanding why customers want page builders. And uh, there's also another element of implementers in our community that are customizing sites for folks and using page builders. I hear that a lot more often now that people are using page builders to um, make quick changes to their site. You know, customers, they want to be able to make changes quickly and easily to their site. They're trying to control their costs. And page builders give them that flexibility. Um, you know, designers and developers are traditionally building custom sites for clients. Um, that's where the controversy seems to come in as far as are, do they want to use page builders to build out their sites for their clients? And the other part is, is do those clients want to be able to use those page builders later to make it changes to their site? And I think that's where the controversy comes from. I think the tide is moving towards folks being able to make changes easier to their site. I mean, we've seen that from back even when in the Genesis community with like Genesis Palette Pro. And there's been lots of things that have been coming along that are allowing people to customize their site. Uh, folks that are not coders are not going to want to get into their CSS style sheets and HTML and start making changes. So this, this allows a way to um, get more, I, I would say, get more benefit out of the existing website that you paid for. So I think that's that's kind of where it is. And I think everybody just needs to realize, I think personally that I don't use page builders. Let me just say, I don't use them at all. So I don't have any experience as a frame of reference, but I can understand why people want to use them. And I can understand the segment that does and the value that that provides them. Definitely. A lot of great points there. Jonathan, what was your big takeaways from this article? Well, I thought, you know, it comes from an authoritatific, authoritatific, I don't know, make it Authoritative. Yeah, thank you, Sally. Uh, but shall I start talking Dutch? Uh, um, so, uh, um, and uh, um, I can't even speak my own language, can I? Uh, um, it's early for me, though. Um, 
well, it comes, you know, his position is a bit like the second article. It's not, there's nothing that fundamentally original from it. What, what I, why I, I thought it was worth talking about is it is a good summary of why people want to use these type of plugins. Um, <clears throat> I think it, there are, like what Jackie said, there's great benefits for the end user, but there can also be drawbacks. Because I, I can also see this um, as an as a excuse, you know, they go in and they, they are moving everything around and it enables them not to do what they should be doing, producing actually good content that people want to go to to the website so there's a duality there you know yeah i can but on the other hand you know if you if you just want to make a table or do some minor changes not to the the key theme elements but you just want kind of internal page and i think you've remarked jackie that the present editor is awful you know it misleads misleads people it um it's really clunky now compared to some some other services like wix and other things and it really does need a major improvement so um it there is actually that i i really think there's a real need to really do something about the wordpress editor um, quickly and it's quite I think it's got to the stage where it's a bit of an embarrassment um, but on the other hand having something uh, I can just see it as being another excuse for not really getting on with what um, you should be getting on with which is producing content so that's my two pennies worth John no excellent points uh, Sally uh what were your thoughts on this article and and maybe how does this tie into how people perceive wordpress as a tool right well i you know it it uh it's never been a particular mystery to me why people want page builders uh you know they want some control over their layout and and so on and that you know the part of the issue has been and is you know if we object to existing page building tools because of their terrible code or what happens when you turn them off or whatever, you know, the performance hit or whatever else we object to them for. And there are plenty of things to object to. Uh, we need to provide people with a better alternative. <clears throat> and right now for folks who are not developers, there isn't really a better alternative. And uh, so either we have to, you know, fix the problems that are in current page building tools uh, or we need to fix the, the problem that's in the, the, the core WordPress editor and, you know, or do something of, of both. I mean, you know, one of these, these people I talked to at uh, WCLAX was, uh, you know, <clears throat> they're de debuting a new tool. And I said, well, so what happens if you turn it off? And, and they said something which was kind of interesting, which was that, like, you know, you could build the stuff out in their page builder and, and basically export it as HTML and, and CSS and set it up so that once it's built, it's built. And, you know, this, uh, I think, addresses a, an issue some developers have about, you know, I don't want to give my clients a tool to turn their website that I just busted my butt building for them into GeoCities. Uh, you know, just because you have a tool doesn't mean that you're a designer, uh, you know, we all saw this when desktop publishing came out and the, you know, the truly god awful things that, that people produced because they, you know, they had this new tool, let's play with it, but they know nothing about design principles. And, you know, that's inevitably going to happen. But there is, there is a limit to the degree that we can protect people from themselves. Uh, and especially, I think a lot of the, uh, you know, the smaller clients, they don't want to understand about, you know, issues with how code works and this and that and limitations and, and the other things. Is they just want something that they can use to, to, to do what they're going to do. And, uh, you know, and so they're going to continue to want things uh, like this and not care about a lot of the drawbacks, you know, until, oh, now I want to change 
you know, themes or change whatever. And, and, oh my God, there's a disaster. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I think what we probably need is a, is a combination of improvements to the existing WordPress editing interface and, uh, you know, to have at least a few of, of these page building tools out there that are set up in such a way as to, to keep your content portable if you use them. No, definitely. Uh, making your content portable is super important if you're using a page builder. Uh, Daphne Backman in the chat room says, I think you can do both. You can marry function and fashion together if you know what you're doing. Uh, a couple things that I took away from this article. I mean, basically at the end of this article, it's an invitation to use Beaver Builder, which if you were going to use a page builder, that's definitely the one that I would recommend because it has the, the least amount of um, like crud left after you use it. Tools like Visual Composer and Divi, uh, which use short codes to build a page, are really terrible on performance. And uh, you know, Chris himself has, has told stories of recommending to enterprise clients, like you don't want to use a page builder on this site, you don't want to use Divi on this site because it's going to drag the performance down uh, totally. Yeah, I think that what this article is. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, sorry to interrupt. Well, I just don't think that you know. I just don't think there's one um, answer. You know, it depends, doesn't it? You know, it's like the performance totally right, but a lot of these sites they're not getting any traffic anyway. So nobody's nobody's going to the site anyway. So um, that, that's like that, that's that, awfully depressing. <laughs> well, it's true, isn't it? If you if you if you it, like, it's really linked to our roundtable last week about the realities of the situation. Unless, unless then there is nobody going to just come to the site. You know, there's no, there's no people just waiting because you've got your new company's website. So performance, um, performance issues. But um, on the other hand. Um, you know, on mobile devices, this is a big issue because most of your people are going to be going to your website on a mobile device and performance is really, really, really... So do you really want to slap on some plugin that turns your site into treacle on a mobile device? So it's all such a mess, isn't it, of competing... Yeah, um, but, but, but you don't want to do that. No, so, but there's no easy answer. But I think the the basic thing is what Jackie said a few weeks ago, is fundamentally the WordPress editor, you know, it should have been updated a long time ago. And I think some of the changes people... I don't think they need something normal. They just, you know, when you do... They just need an editor that helps them does it hinder them um, can, I, um, can i jump in yeah, right yeah go ahead uh, yeah i that i think that's the biggest challenge i mean most of the themes provide great layouts and a lot of different options that you can choose i really can't see you know a very common need to come up with all these new page layouts um through some page builder i think the challenge is like I have clients that, you know, maybe they want to put a button inside of a post they wrote, right? Okay, if you don't know HTML at all, this is going to be a challenge for you because they you see all these beautiful buttons and, and uh, icons and things that are used elsewhere on the site, but not in the specific page or post content. It just becomes a real challenge for them. They've, they've got to use the, uh, the text editor. They've got to put in some HTML. They have to put a class in. I had this problem just this week with a client. Um, they need to put something on their homepage in a widget area, and they have to use a text editor for it. Well, if they don't cut and paste that HTML exactly right, and in their case, they left off a dash between a class name. Uh, it was two words, and they just put the two words in without the dash. Well, they did. it did not render the way that it was supposed to. And it's, you know, those are the things that are really struggling, and I think that's where people want to be able to have a visual editor that will let them put in those elements without having to write code. I think that's where things will eventually go. That's where it's all going to end up in the end. And I think that 
finding a way to combine the styles that you've got in your style sheet with what's available when you're uh, publishing content is is what's needed. And that's no, just my perspective. I, I totally agree with what you're saying. But I mean, my perspective on this article is a lot of like the article, like the people who are, there's two, what Chris said in this article though, there's really two types of people who are wanting like a page builder. It's clients who don't want to call a developer because like what he says is they either charge a premium or they, they give terrible customer service and they want to skip the drama or it's WordPress implementers who are selling client sites and using page builders to build sites. Um, and I, so for I the- actually, I actually, John, think there's three categories. I think the first category okay. is, is rather small, actually, in reality. But those people are they? they um, I have you know they they're in the in the pod part podcast community they tend to go to divi actually they tend to migrate to divi i've noticed a lot in the podcast community use divi um i'm not going to go about what i think of divi um and then um then you've got your kind of business i, I think that's quite small you know that there's different groups like the podcasting and DIY people that like yes. they're kind of in the computer industry and they think oh anybody can knock a website up that type of mentality and then I think the other group that wasn't mentioned in the article is your hardcore marketer types um, who want to knock up a marketing site to try a, try something out quickly and they know they know basic layout and there's that core I, I i think there's quite they've been using things like wix i know it's in reno there's quite a few freelance div, uh, marketers that are using these kind of online platforms quite a bit john and then you you got your implementers as you mentioned so i think there's um a kind of broader kind of church of different people that are looking at these no, I, and, and what you're saying is a great point. Like there's people that just marketers that are familiar with web tools and they just want to test an idea before they commit to like a full site. They just want to test and see if there's interest. I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's actually a good idea. But I think the majority of like this article is kind of saying that there's clients on the lower end that don't want to pay a developer at all and they want to try and do it themselves and i don't think those are necessarily like the, the types of clients that, that the majority of developers out there should even be looking for uh because there's there's one paragraph here where it says um uh page builders offer a nice alternative to this cycle of buying and trying themes and if you buy like three to six themes before picking something you want to get it's 75 dollars a theme that's 500 dollars wasted why wouldn't you just get with a developer who could point you toward the theme that's gonna work for you in the first place pay that developer whatever you know whatever your consultation fee is get your theme you're going to come in at less than 500 dollars right there and i the people who that want to do it themselves for the most part, unless they're like you mentioned, like hardcore marketers who are just testing an idea before they do the full blown site. There are people that don't have a budget that's even $500 usually. And those aren't really the types of clients. I think that a freelancer or a developer can make a living off of anyway. So, I mean, for them, yeah, page builders are great. But I think for a professional site that's like actually generating money, I don't think it's necessarily the best way to go. Well, I think it's really difficult, John, because I actually I use Fry Themes. I've got Fry Themes on WP Tonic. Right. I use it because all the light boxes and all the integrations, and I'm working on building funnels and working on my conversion mechanisms on the Tonic website. And five frames for that purpose of 
um, getting serious about building up an email list and about really um, calls of action and developing a really hardcore separate funnels, in my opinion, is the best solution. If you're going to use WordPress, it's the best solution. And Shane, Shane is a hardcore marketer that, with his partner, have built a multi-million a million dollar plus business for five themes so he knows about marketing and his partner which unfortunately his name escapes me unfortunately um he's a pretty good coder but um you know um it's a pretty big plug-in it's a pretty big solution but i think it's um if they're the things that you should be concentrating on if you're, you're, you know, I, I think choosing a theme is having some idea, looking at the competition. That's kind of last, yeah. Um, but, um, I've been lectrified, John. Uh, um, so, but no, but, I'm, I'm going to stop that. Calling, now. I think I'm blabbing now, and I, John, I think I'm. Uh, well, no, you're 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 saying that you fall into that third category where you're a marketer casting like ideas and and getting to the solution. Which is like fine. I mean, if, if if you know what I'm saying, but I'm saying for like enterprise level, like sites, you're not going to want to use a page builder. It's more either, you know, a marketing like a small business. That's fine. If you don't get a lot of you know traffic and you don't have a budget, then that's fine. If you have a budget and you're relying on this for revenue and you want it to be like fast on mobile and those sorts of things, then you know. You're going to want to invest in having someone, you know, build you something that's not just built on top of shortcuts. I'm not saying that your solution is wrong. I'm saying you fall into that third category that you described. So, so I, I, okay. think, it's, I think it's time for us to go for, for our first break. I think it's time you? for a break. Yeah, I think it's time for our commercial break. Uh, so we're going to go to break, and when we come back. We're going to be talking our main subject, which is black hat seo and the seo techniques that you should be avoiding because they're going to do you more harm than good back up your break buying or selling a home in the greater reno tahoe area i know the best crs real estate broker and that's karen conrad and you can find her at karenconrad.com or call directly at 775-527-7021 and we're coming back from the break this is a wp tonic episode 128 we're talking black hat SEO. What SEO techniques should you be avoiding? I'm here with the WP Tonic panel, uh, which is Jackie Galea, Sally Getch, and Jonathan Denwood. Uh, so the, the first thing I want to ask the panel, uh, and we'll go around like in alphabetical order, what is what are the crazy things that you still see clients uh, trying to implement or, or like asking you to do or or maybe you come on a client site and, and they've got these things and they're like, well, we're doing this because, you know, it'll help us rank. But what are, what are these, the, the most crazy, like outdated things that are harming people that you've seen, Jackie? Okay. Number one, I think coming from clients now, we're talking about this would be. Would yeah. Be, well, uh, either, either or. Right. From, from clients are definitely duplicate content, copying content from somewhere else. I see that quite a bit. Uh, where they see an article somewhere, they don't even think they need to ask permission for it. They just think, oh, this would be great on our website. Let's just go ahead and put it on. And you explain that this is not going to help your website at all. You know, it, it's definitely going to flag you for duplicate content. You're gonna, you may even get in trouble with whoever the author is of this article um, for, for stealing it, for plagiarism. Uh, the other some of the more serious things, though, that that still go on is, you know, buying links, I think, is probably one of the big ones where um, and those are typically, I would say, maybe black hat agencies or providers who are promising you placement in um, search results yeah. and guaranteeing you placement. And they're doing that through injecting a bunch of backlinks to uh, and, and buying links, having uh, reputable sites that they've purchased or partnered with or doing some elaborate link exchanges where you've got three-way parties. I sell you a link, you sell the, that other, you sell your link to somebody else and that, that other person sells a link back to me so that you create kind of a triangle where 
you're both not linking to each other. So that's that's another one. Uh, another big thing that people love, spam comments, allowing all of that with the backlinks that you get in spam. Most of the filters now do it with a no follow. So I don't really see where there's a big benefit for doing it, but they certainly get people clicking on those links, I guess, and seeing where they go or what they are. Um, that's that's the other, th- those are probably the biggest things. Um, the spam comments, duplicate content, and doing backlinks, I think, are some of the some of the big ones. I had a few others that I, um, oh, one more, like just rewording articles. <laughs> Try to avoid the plagiarism and just cutting and pasting content from other places and changing words around. And you know, I just uh, none of these things are are very good. Lastly. Keyword stuffing, uh, people tend to do that at the bottom of websites. I still see that where they've got every possible combination of services or um, locations. And, you know, if you're like a, uh, a roofing company or something and you have like every town listed in your state at the bottom of your page, somehow you think that's going to improve your search results. Um, that's you're wrong. I, none of those things are good techniques. Uh, those are all really brilliant. I love that you mentioned like article spinning. Um, that is something that was like popular for many years. Uh, definitely just taking an article, just kind of changing like the adjectives and, and think that's going to fool Google. Um, the Google actually understands synonyms so they can look at something and say like, hey, that's pretty much the same thing. Uh, or just directly plagiarizing, just cut and paste a whole article. I see people who are consultants like do that you know from time to time like they'll just you know hey this doesn't i don't think this is them and then you know just like you know copy and search and guess what it's they're just taking it from the harvard business review where just word for word and and that's terrible uh jonathan what are what are some of the crazy things that people still think work for seo i think everything i think jackie had quite an extensive list you know because um I think I think it's so tempting just to lift it and bun it on your website and think it's going to be okay, don't you? It's so it's like a, it's like putting a load of hungry children in front of a toffee toffee store, isn't it? You know what do you think you're going to get? You know it's just so. But you really got to kind of really, if you're talking to anybody and they're asking you, you really got to tell them you're not. You know, it's actually it, you actually get penalised if you keep on doing it. Um, it's not that it won't have any effect to actually hurt your website. Um, I think, I think, I think it's also buying the backlinks, and um, backlinks are still important. But and if you really like, you know, SEO warrior or any of these hardcore, you know, some of these really hardcore black hat or grey hat as I call them that you know they set up these mind-blowing layer of server structures don't they John where they're spinning up a, a virtual private server and they're building their own link structures to kind of kind of um full google um i think i think you know they're so elaborate now that you need you know it's like war peace is it i'm not even sure they understand which service serving which links but i understand you know if you're dealing with a short-term target um you can still get some results from that but any kind of long-term um is you know this ain't exactly gonna pan out um about Google, I think Google's a kind of um, very. Um, I think I've seen some things that I just didn't think would work, and they have worked against Google. And other things, you know, they've been hammered straight away. I think Google's technology, you know, obviously the um, obviously the government, you know, their spine is all based on Google technology. Uh, um, so. Um, um, I think it's just the. I, I think it is a lot more sophisticated, but also the volume's gone up. The, you know, the the actual amount of data that they're having to index. I don't know what their precise figure every month, but it's just getting enormous, isn't it? So if if you do get flagged up and you get on their radar, they're soon going to hammer you, aren't they, John? Yeah, definitely. And and I love that you mentioned 
uh, the blog networks and, and like what Jackie said, we got like this triangulation of like everybody linked everybody. And uh, I think it was a couple updates ago, like major updates or Penguin and Candor, one of these like creatures. Um, it, it, Google just pretty much put the hammer down on that. If you go to inbound.org and you search for this article, Confessions of an SEO Spammer, uh, and it will show like a picture of a guy who's like half man, half crow smoking a cigarette. That's like a really insightful article about how much money these black hat guys were making off of these blog networks. And then once Google put the hammer down on them, it just kind of like crashed. Um, but on the other hand, John, I've, yeah. I've seen if you get a link from a, a really truly authoritative domain yes something like the new york times i'm talking about you know something that's really really got some domain juice if you really get a link from a, it, it can literally turn a site's ranking dramatically it's you know mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, right. um, so it's it's all it's it's all over the place really isn't it yeah definitely Sally, what are some of the crazy SEO myths that people still believe work? Right. Well, fortunately, I haven't seen too many clients deliberately trying to, to do stuff that's, uh, you know, the black hat stuff. But I, I do encounter clients who sort of like the last time they learned anything about it, SEO was probably 10 years ago. And, you know, there are some things that used to be recommended practice that are no no longer recommended practice. You know, like it wasn't black hat at the time, but it, it, now it, it's either, you know, Google penalizes or, it, or it's just not useful. Like there's still people who are sort of hung up on putting meta keywords in. And it's like, you know, search engines have not paid attention to these things for, for a long time. Uh, it, you know, there's, there, there's no particular value in, in adding them and, uh, you know, that now you, uh, and, and I think, you know, any technique that relies on Google being stupid is, is going to be very short-lived. Uh, you know, Google does not hire stupid people and, uh, you know, they get to, to figure things out and, uh, you know, make improvements pretty rapidly. Uh, one thing I've run into a couple of times is people who just don't have enough content to optimize and, you know, who aren't aware that if you really, you know, if you work too hard at a site with not much content, you will get in trouble for over-optimization. That they will assume you're trying to trick people, even if you're not. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like, yeah, you have 500 words on your entire website. There, there's, there's very little that we can do in, in terms of SEO without risking running afoul of something or, or yeah. uh, you know, mistakes like the... Uh, uh, you know, like the case in this recent project where every one of 700 odd blog posts had the same meta description. Uh, you know, and I, I see that more than I see people deliberately trying to, to break the rules, but um, people mostly don't know much and they're therefore they're vulnerable to these people who say, oh, we can get you on the first page of, of Google and, and you know, uh, who are doing something unscrupulous. And, and, you know, many of these things will work in the very short term. You know, if you need something to be successful for a week and it doesn't matter if it's, you know, completely unfindable in, in search there ever after, go ahead, you know, use whatever you want. But if you actually want to have some lasting success with your website, it's just going to take time. And people don't want to hear that it's going to take time. It's going to take, you know, producing uh, relevant content, uh, you know, on an ongoing basis. It's going to take, you know, building up, uh, links from reputable sources, you know, over the uh, over a period of, of of time, and you know that the SEO is is not like something you can just sprinkle on your website and and then you're set. SEO is not a condiment. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you know I, I think a good resource, and um, I actually bought a course, even though I, I knew a lot. Of, I bought it because Rachel gave me a couple personal consultations she was very gracious that's gracious that's rachel gills that's been on the show um from web savvy design um she does a seo course that for the price for the amount of content i think is very for somebody in a small to medium business that can't hire somebody to help them do this um is quite 
from a, a source that's reputable and it's well written. Um, and I know I knew she was going to introduce a lot more video content. I need to log in um, and see if she's done that. Um, but I think one area that I learned that I've been working on a little bit is internal link structure. I, I think actually when I looked at the looked at the competition that was against is that in some areas I was much stronger that surprised me um, than some of some some of the competition I was looking at but one of the areas where I was really quite lacking was the internal link structure and I'm still working on that um, and it is one of the areas that was surprising um, that's that is area where I think when it comes to on-site optimization, you can have a real kind of strong effect by just doing hard work and being very methodical. And I think a lot of SEO, especially on the on-site part of it, is being very methodical. And it's an area where I've had up my game a bit and be a bit more methodical, John. And I think a lot of owners aren't. They get very up when they... They get very worked up about it when they see the competition is ranking for a lot of key phrases, and they get, and then they get worked up and they've got to do something about it, and then it dies down again because they get busy in other areas, and then they get worked up about it. So it's a kind of figure of eight there, where you need consistent methodical uh, optimization of the site. If you understand what I mean, John. I do. Um- yeah, that, that brings me to uh, a great question. Because um, like you said, you get like a lot of business owners, they get really busy. And so they turn to, uh, you know, someone like an SEO expert to, you know, that they would hear, here's some money, like make me rank. And they don't know whether they're getting snake oil. They don't know if they're getting a real deal because, you know, you don't necessarily know how to evaluate one person from the next. Um, so, you know, Jackie, when it comes to like evaluating, say if, if they were going to like hire a SEO company, what are the things that they should be looking out for? Well, I'm a firm believer that SEO is based around two things. It's providing valuable content that people want to read and a good user experience. And what Jonathan was just talking about, about internal linking, linking strategy, actually Mm -hmm. really does improve the user experience. And I can go back to something that I did probably, I don't know, maybe eight, nine years ago in an e-commerce business that I owned. And we were selling these wind chimes that came in seven different sizes and 10 different tunings. So we had 70 combinations of wind chimes. And um, I was selling these this product along with other people and the manufacturer. They were all on Google uh, natural search. And this is where I was targeting trying to get on Google natural search. Uh, I wasn't even on page three at the time. Um, I ended up being page one natural search the number one spot above the manufacturer when I was finished. It took about 18 months to get there. But what I did was is I created um, a very good user experience for the users. I created a grid that let with links for them to jump around from wind chime to wind chime, from tuning to tuning to listen to them, had unique content that was really valuable for them in explaining uh, what the size was, what the tuning was, the story behind it. I took the time to build all of that out. And over time, that really worked. And it was, and I, the reason is, is because it provided good content that was valuable to them. So it would help them make a better decision about which one they wanted to purchase. And the other one was it provided a good user experience. It was easy to um, move around on the site and find what you wanted. All of those links were on every single page of all of these 70 pages, and it was clear and easy to jump around everywhere you went. None of my competitors at the time were doing that. Um, so that was something, that's a real use case that I can say. If you focus on those two things and you are working on your site for your user, for the visitor that's visiting it, forget about your SEO or, or anything else. The reason why this got to first page um, in natural search wasn't because of the number of links or any of the things that I did. It was because uh, Google viewed that site as an authority on those wind chimes. 
That, no, that's, that's kind of my take on that. Yeah, people do not yeah. want to hear that the solution is time and hard work. It was a lot of hard work to do. It it, it took quite a bit of time to build that out, um, to play with the placement of it, where I wanted it, how I was, and using all the keywords that are for each size and each tuning, that it was all um, linked together properly. And that really did make a difference. Um, I had unique photos for it. I had, you know, lots of other things too. And I also had audio files to play the sound from each one. So on every page you went to, you know, there was a little grid with all the audios. It took time to build it out, but it did work. And it beat spending, I don't know, you know, hundreds of dollars every month on Google AdWords, which a lot of my competitors were doing to get that top two or three spot. Um, with the ads. So when I talk to clients about things like that, I let them know that, you know, number one, don't think, okay, I'm optimizing my site for Google. Don't think that way. Think you're optimizing your site for your user and try, what can you do to create a good user experience? Because that will help your site more than any of these other techniques. No, definitely. Um, user ex- and And that's it. Google wants to they're really like pushing user experience because that is the truest result. It's not so much like text or, you know, and they still use links and content and, and those sorts of things, but they are really looking at how people actually interact with what's on your site. Well, I, 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 I see where you're coming from, John, but I think the main thing Google's about is, is making um, organic SEO as as complicated and as difficult as possible, so you've got to cough up some money. Their only their only interest is making gobs of money and spying for the American government. They're they they're they two main um, purposes. John, be quite truthful. Uh, um, yeah, I've been really very English sarcastic there, but there's a you know um, I think Google's had a really easy ride and. W- one of the reasons is they're very, very useful to the American government. Um, so, um, and a lot of their staff are basically working for the American government, spying on people. Um, so, and Google are really good at hiding that fact. Um, and they're just giving a total easy job. Well, that, I'm never going to get a job with Google. Stay no. hey, uh, like, <laughs> hey, like hey, part of me applying. Just know what happened to you. Right. But the, you know, the thing is Google is, is not going to make as much money if they don't give people accurate results. You know, if, if people have a hard time finding what they're looking for, they'll go somewhere else and then they won't be seeing any of these ads. So, you know, it's in their best interest to make sure that they, you know, that they're giving people what people really want. And a, to, yeah, I think that's great, Sally. It just came to me, uh, there was a little story I forgot. I was reading, it was on, I think it was on Wire or it was on one of the big blogs. There was an ex-employee of Google, and he was saying, who was it? No, it was the great VC investor who lives in Truckee, who invested in Twitter early. What's his name? Oh, God. He wrote a piece. He was he worked for Google for a while, and he said he was in their campus, in um, their main campus in the Bay Area, and he was in the cafeteria, and they had some developers, and they were complaining. They have been really rude to the kitchen staff because pheasant wasn't available that lunchtime. There was no pheasant available and they were having to rough it with chicken and they weren't happy, John. And he, you know, to say it's a different world, it's like something out of the French Revolution. Let, let them eat cake, you know, let them eat, you know, let them eat chicken, you know. <laughs> Sorry, sorry. It just goes yeah, to anyway, me. yeah, but totally, totally, totally. Uh, Sally, I would love for you to expand on, you know, what things people can do to make user experience like better on their site. Well, I think, you know, I think Google has picked up on a lot of these things like the, you know, the, the performance issue and the mobile friendly issue that, you know, people are, people want to look at your website on their phones. If, if your website, you know, gives them a, a crappy experience on their phone, either because they can't see it because the design is wrong or, or because it loads so slowly that they go somewhere else, uh, you know, that that's not, uh, that's not good for them. And, and, you know, if uh, if Google pointed them at that site, then it's not that good for Google. Um, so, uh, 
you know, there, there is a lot of that. And uh, yeah, people want to, if you have a site with a lot of content on it, you have to think a great deal about your structure and your internal links and making sure that it's possible for people to find uh, things, you know, within your site. Because if it's easier for somebody to go to Google and search what's on your site than it is for them to find stuff on your site within your site, you're doing it wrong. No, that's a great, great point. Uh, search, uh, I, like, I, I am still surprised. And I'm not talking about small business here or, or business that's aimed at a local market. Because that's enough. I'm going to go, go off topic. Well, because um, also you've got the whole business that the SEO kind of um, world is a bit is really divided between local, regional, and national, and the techniques that you would use for a local kind of semi-regional client could be quite different to a national client. But I agree with Sally. What thing that I'm still surprised on, and I don't know if you, Jackie and John, agrees with this, is the amount not small companies but medium even large their mobile experience is awful i mean it's truly shocking um it's quite surprising really john um i don't know if it's a lack of i can't imagine it's a lack of knowledge i don't know what it is but um you know um you go to some large sites and their mobile versions are almost unusable john um what do you think no i no, I, I definitely feel that there's like still several years of uh, work for like all the web designers and web developers like in existence to improve just the mobile experience for the existing sites out there right now. Um, that's definitely something uh, that, that, you know, every site should be doing. I think a lot of designers, they start on desktop, you know, they have a big screen but the mobile embracing like actual mobile first design, even though mobile, this is more popular than your desktop or your laptop. We don't design for this first, even now. And so I think that's definitely something that should eventually change. Maybe it will uh, eventually given enough time. Uh, if enough people kind of carry well, on about I, it. I think it's linked to budget cost using page builders, all the things we talked about, but so it's all concocted in a conflicting pile of rubbish, really, John. But the fundamental thing is, a lot of people, you know, you choose a theme, and a lot of people that do it themselves don't even look at a mobile phone. Yet, almost eighty percent of the people that are going to be buying a product from them are going to be looking at it on the mobile phone, and they yeah. insist that you know some you know, some slider with 20 um, photos that haven't been optimized. So, you know, 10, you know, 20 seconds later, the first page hasn't even loaded. So where do you think your customers, your potential new customers are going to be going to? So it's a really, you know, um, unless you've got no budget, I, I think, you know, you're, you're those below those 500 dollar clients you were talking about they have absolutely no budget i think if i i would still if i wasn't one of those i'll cough up to 50 500 just have a con even if i was going to attempt to do it myself but i think it's also led you know by the wix adverts you know you know come to us and for five ninety nine dollars, you'll you'll have a professional. I I, I haven't actually. I don't know if you've got any. Um, there's been anything you've read, you Jackie or Sally? I don't know what the performance of these Wix websites are like in reality. Um, when it comes better to, than they were, but right. they could hardly have been worse. So they're that bad, are they? Well, initially when Wix started, it was all flash. Oh, and, yeah. and there was there was no mobile at all, and and you know now they build responsive stuff. So it's, you know you've got something. Uh, what about Square? What about Squarespace? What Squarespace is, is is responsive, but uh, yeah, I mean the thing is that uh, you know, and if you are a really no budget person and you have you know five pages of content and you're not going to change anything more than twice a year. Uh, if that, you know, Wix doesn't seem like such a bad solution because right. even if they went out of business, you could recreate that website from memory somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, 
but if you have anything of substance, uh, you know, there, there's an ownership issue. And, and I, uh, um, I had a client came to me, he's using some, is it yoga? It came to us, we're a WordPress maintenance company, and he wanted us to maintain, and he didn't even know, he didn't even know what the site, and it was called yoga. And I looked into it, it's the most god, it's free or something. Um, um, why, oh, yeah, yeah, I never heard of it before. I, I cut, it was the p- biggest piece of crap we've I've seen in a long while of interface. But they, they supposedly they they got thousands of websites on this thing. Um, there you go. Oh, that was a rant, wasn't it, Sandy? Anyway, I, was a, do you think it's, are we are are we up against our last break, Jonathan? Yeah, we better we better we better close this down and go on to a bonus content, John, where the where the okay, real juicy okay. stuff is talked about, John. Okay. Uh, so wrap up the, okay. So anyway, um, you can definitely, uh, catch us on the WP tonic website for additional content from this podcast. Uh, Jackie, how do people get a hold of you? You can reach me at JackieDelia.com and I'm always on Twitter at jdelia. Jonathan, how do they get a hold of you? Um, well, I don't think there'd be any point Googling me soon. <laughs> How are you going to index me? <laughs> no, I don't think they care what I, anything I've got to say. Um, basically, just put Jonathan Denwood into Google and you'll find me. Or go to the WP Tonic website. I've um, got some really interesting articles, got the podcast. I think the amount of information on that website is mind-blowing, don't you, John? Yeah, it's definitely like uh, expanding all the time. We're publishing stuff twice a week. Um, Sally. Sure. You um, can f- find me at uh, WPFangirl.com. And if you can spell my name, you can find me anywhere else because I am unique in Google. Very good. And you can find me at LockdownDesign.com. And you can also find me on Twitter, Lockdown underscore. And... On the presses this week, you can find me in Sacramento Magazine, the best of this short little thing. Find me right there in the Faces of Sacramento 2016. Just cheap, shameless plug. (laughs) Go for it. Congratulations, Uh, John. Thank you. And so for WP Tonic, uh, this is John signing off. Uh, Catch the bonus content on the website and on YouTube. Mm -hmm.